So we're going to transition to uh, worship through God's word here this morning. And uh, we've been walking through the book of Jonah, which is in the Old Testament uh, portion of your Bible. And so that's the first half of uh, of your Bible that's anticipating Jesus. The second half called the New Testament is the, the, the part of when Jesus comes and, and uh, how that changes everything. Jonah, small little book in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the first half of your Bibles there. I want to highlight real quick, as we've been going through this series, a, a, a book that's really impactful, powerful. If you want to go deeper into the book of Jonah, uh, Jonah, it seems like, oh, it's a really simple story. Some of you who maybe been exposed to church or growing up in the church, uh, it seems like a very, uh, 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 just a, like a children's story, if you will, but it's so much deeper. There's so much more here. And so I, we, our small group actually has been going through uh, this book and through the, as we walk through the sermon series. And just want to highly encourage you to check out this book if you want to go deeper. We have copies of it in the back if you want to check it out uh, as well. So just a, a, an item there for you to grow deeper in the Lord. Book of Jonah here. We're going to be in chapter 3 today, uh, verses 1 through 5. And so you can turn there in your Bible or Bible app. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles underneath the chairs in front of you. Feel free to check that out, open that up there. And then, uh, uh, of course, if you don't have a Bible uh, and you'd like one, uh, feel free to take this, take this Bible here. And uh, just to help you out, the, uh, the pages there are 527 in the Bibles underneath uh, the chairs in front of you. 527 there. I mentioned I was gone here uh, this past summer. For, for those of you who don't know, I was on uh, what was called a sabbatical. And uh, I'm, I'm really blessed here at Grace. Uh, such a great family that cares for us and, and uh, our health. And so every six years, they send me out on a, on a time to rest and grow. And uh, God did some really amazing things this summer in my heart and life. And one of those things in, over the course of this summer that the Lord really had to deal with me on. Uh, I, I'm a guy who loves productivity. Any productivity people in the house love productivity, get things done kind of people. I'm one of those kind of, kind of guys. And uh, I also have a savior complex. Anybody else like that? Just me? Okay, all right. Uh, so over the time of our sabbatical, and as I'm just seeking the Lord, and I'm like, I want to grow, Father. And he, he hits on me. One of the things that's in the way between me and God and me loving him, meaning being loving towards others, was busyness. Busyness. Uh, there's an acronym for busy, B-U-S-Y. Being under Satan's yoke. Ugh. Being under Satan's yoke. I came to find out how true that was. My busyness and my doing for God was getting in the way from me, being hearing him, me experiencing God's, God's grace and his love in my life, me being present with other people because I was doing so much. I'd, be, I'd be, have my, my notifications on my watch popping up of text messages and people and checking my phone and, and trying to take care of things and multitasking. And, 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 and all these things were getting in the way of me truly loving others well and me loving the Lord well, me actually experiencing the love of God well. And the Lord really began to lean into me, to break me. Coming back here, one of the things that God is really, one little thing he's been teaching me or, or leading me to is little prayers, just constant little prayers. Holy Spirit, lead me in this moment. Holy Spirit, when I'm at, when I'm at Walmart or when I'm 
around town, at the gas station, or at the YMCA working out, or I'm in a counseling session, or every little thing, every moment, phone calls, Holy Spirit, lead me, checking in, uh, learning to listen and be connected, and, and to hear and be guided by the Holy Spirit. The other day I was at the YMCA and uh, ran, into, ran, to, ran into a friend, a uh, gentleman, and uh, uh, just, you know, starts off with a simple question of how are you doing? Haven't seen you in a while. And, uh, and, and, he, and he begins to lay out uh, some physical struggles he's had, some medical issues, and then, you know, kind of moves quickly off of that because his guys, we don't want to be too vulnerable, right? And then, uh, uh, and then he goes on to just talk about his family and, and, and such. And, uh, and, and, and the Lord prompted me, Holy Spirit, lead me. And, 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 he, and the Spirit prompted me, you need to pray. You need to pray with this brother. You need to pray with this gentleman. And, and come to find out, there, there's this iceberg. You know how people are iceberg? Did you know you're an iceberg? That, that what's on the surface and what other people see, there's a whole lot more going on underneath, right? Do you feel that? Do you know that? You're that way. Other people are that way as well. There's a whole lot more going on in this, this guy's life. And I didn't know. But the Holy Spirit, let me, let's, let's go to Jesus. Are you okay with that? Right there in the YMCA. And that might feel uncomfortable for some of you, but what I'm learning, like we're going to learn today with Jonah, is obey God and trust him for the results. Obey him. Because someone else needs our faithfulness, and he needed that right in that moment. There was more going on. And, and we went to the Lord and we prayed. There was an a cloud of uncertainty over his future. He needed to know that Christ is with him, that Christ was before him. With whatever lies ahead that was crippling him in the moment. After we got done praying, he was just, he was moved in tears because he needed to encounter Jesus and he needed to know he had hope. I didn't know that. He needed my faithfulness. We're going to see that in today's passage here with Jonah. There are people around you, and people are icebergs. There's more below the surface. And there's somebody around you who needs you to be faithful, to bring hope, to bring encouragement, to lead them to Jesus Christ. Jonah 3, 1 through 5. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called out for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Let's pray for the receiving God's word here. Holy Spirit, we just ask for you to open our hearts and our minds. We, we, we come and, and, and just ask as you've been prompting me lately, Lord, Holy Spirit, lead us. We need to hear, and not just hear, it was in such a way that our, we intellectually know the data, the facts of your word and what it tells us. But God, we want to hear in our hearts in such a way, Jesus, that you change us and make us more like you this morning. We need to hear some of us for for the first time, Jesus, your voice calling that I love you. I'm here for you. I died for you. Come and be welcome to my family. Lord, we need to 
here in such a way to be changed this morning. So Spirit, work in us and work in me. <sighs> your broken vessel, your anxious, this anxious man here, Lord God, sinful. Work in me, Jesus. Change me. Bring your word, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Jonah chapter 3. Right off the bat here, verse 1 says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. He says, Arise and go. Now, for those of you who have not been with us, the story of Jonah is about a prophet, someone called by God, a servant of God, the the one true God, to give a message to this people group called uh, the Assyrians in a town called Nineveh. It would be like God calling on Israel to go to Hamas and to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. Not going to happen. Whole lot of not going to happen around that. Prejudice, pride, anger, all kinds of things. Jonah's like, oh, heck no. And he literally goes the opposite direction from God's instruction. And God does a miraculous thing and rocking his boat, turning his life around in order to bring him back to himself, saved by a fish swallowing him, miraculous kind of event. And Jonah, Jonah's given a second chance. That word, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time is not a small thing. God had not only restored Jonah to life. You see, Jonah knew as God's servant, as one who would be the messenger of God telling people, you're stuck in sin. If you don't change, if you don't return back to the Lord, your your selfishness, your pride, it's going to lead to destruction. He knew the consequences of his choice to turn and to, to choose himself over God. He knew he deserved death. But God didn't give him that. That's what this whole story of Jonah is all about. It's God's ridiculous kindness towards us, his, what we call grace. That God interacts with us in such a way to give us undeserved gift and love. Jonah deserved death. He was given life. God not only gave him life, rescuing him through this fish, but God restored him back to his role as a prophet. The honor of the opportunity to serve God once again as his mouthpiece, as his spokesperson. That's, that's God's grace. It's not just that, that he, he, he eliminates uh, 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 the, the, the debt with the, that we owe him. It's not that he just makes things a zero sum, like, okay, I've forgiven you, now start over, you do better. That's not how grace works. Grace is abundant, exceedingly abundant. It's more than what we, we, we need, and, and it gives us more than we deserve. And so Jonah here, not only is he given life, but he's given a second chance. Have any of you been given a second chance? Yeah. Some of you know that very, very real. What we don't realize, friends, because of our prosperity in the United States, it blinds us to the enormity of grace, to to, to, to the frequency of grace. Friends, the fact that you and I are here this morning is grace. The fact that you didn't get in an accident, the fact that, that some kind of illness didn't just beset you, the fact you and I are here this morning alive, that's grace, friends. Not something we deserve. 
We take this for granted in such a prosperous place as the United States where around the world, you're not guaranteed you're gonna, a mother's going to live through birth of her child. You're not guaranteed you're going to have food for tomorrow. As we learned with Omach, you're not guaranteed water or electricity. You're not guaranteed whether a mosquito is going to bite you with malaria, dengue, some other kind of horrible disease, and you won't have medical treatment to get the help you need in order to live. There's so much grace that we have. This isn't to shame us. This isn't to make us feel bad. It's to remind us, wow, when we've encountered the goodness of God, there's something that happens. First off is thank you, right? When you've received a gift you don't deserve, when you realize that you've been given gifts you don't deserve, your response is thank you. Thank you to that person. Thank you to God the Father. Jonah knew he was given grace. And so immediately, God says, arise and go. And Jonah goes. Verse 3, Jonah arose, go. Not a question. What's different? Jonah, the book of Jonah is written so, is crafted so well. And written so intentionally. Chapters 1 and 2 are first, are one half. And chapters 3 and 4 are our second half. And they're meant to be compared to each other. Side by side. You read the first few verses of chapter 1, and they sound a whole lot like the first few verses of chapter 3, only with a big difference. Jonah didn't flee God. He obeyed God. What's the difference? God's grace. God's grace. Jonah responded with God's grace with eager obedience. This is what God wants to produce in us. John Calvin says this, Hence, the more anyone has found the kindness of God, the more courageously he ought to proceed in the discharge of his office. What that means is just live in life. And confidently commit to God his life, his safety, and resolutely surmount all the perils of the world. There's a sense of, 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 of being invincible because you're, you're protected and covered by the grace of God. The more anyone has found the kindness of God, the more courageously he ought to proceed in life. Do you see that? If we've encountered God's grace, there's something compelling inside of us when we've actually received it. You know, when, we're, when we receive a gift and we're like, oh, thanks, you know, I, I deserve this. There's a different kind of response, right? When we think we deserve something, when we think we're entitled to something. Kind of like, oh, so it's no big deal. It doesn't change anything. We might even put it aside. Parents, you've come sometimes, maybe you've seen that where you've given a child a gift and they're like, uh, meh. Mm. And you just want to like, let's go out back right now. We're going to have a come to Jesus moment. Paul explains this in his own life in Second uh, Corinthians. He says, the love of Christ is compels us since we have reached this conclusion that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for the one who died for them and was raised from the dead the love of christ compels us friends when we have been so ridiculously loved we can't help but be moved there's some kind of force that's stirring inside of us Do you know this? 
Sometimes we get so numb to, to, to God's work around us and in us that we don't sense or feel this compulsion. We don't see, feel this, this force of God because, because of the busyness in our lives. Busyness, friends, will strangle any spiritual life out of us. Busyness cuts off a connection of receiving God's grace in our lives and hearing God's voice in our lives. When we give into and start to just nurture selfishness in our lives, we cut God off. Both receiving his grace, his kindness, we begin to think we're entitled to it. We don't need God and we don't want to hear from him because we just want to be the rulers of our own life. When we let bitterness into our hearts, because people have wronged us and we're not going to forgive, we cut off God. We begin to think, I'm entitled to God forgiving me, but they're not, in, they're not entitled to forgiveness. And we stop receiving God's grace and our ability to even hear his voice. I want you to pause for a moment and consider what are the ways God has showed you kindness? What are the ways he has shown you his love? There are broad ways as we've talked about in terms of the provision here that we have. You know, the intelligence that you have, you did not choose that. You were born with it. The very fact if you were being born in the United States or living in the United States now, that is not something that, that, that you accomplished. It was the grace of God that enabled that to happen. Your safety and security. These are things that are not yours, but they are God's. God's grace, God's gifts in your life. The very fact, as I mentioned, that we're breathing is God's grace. These are broad things, but God has met you in specific ways in your own life and shown you, I love you. I see you. You're mine. I'm working for you. How has he done that? Pause and reflect on that. Oftentimes, we don't take the time to do this, right? When we're busy we don't reflect when we're busy we don't receive and not only are we not being impacted by god but we're we're not able to be available to impact others jonah was available he heard god because his heart had been opened with grace being humbled before the Lord to receive. How have you shown me kindness that I don't deserve? When we think about our salvation is one of the biggest ways in which this happens. Our salvation can be likened to just in terms of understanding grace and the, the, our, 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 what we owe God, the debt that we owe God, our sin is a lot like the national debt. What's the national debt now? Anybody got a clue? Henry. Okay, listen up, adults here. Holy cow. 31 trillion. Growing, right? Just kind of like our debt with sin in our lives, right? 31 trillion. Anybody pay that? Anybody? We can't even pay that as a nation. 
Can you imagine owing that much? You know what? We do in our sin. And Jesus paid it. Jesus paid it for us. Now, Jesus didn't just pay it and say, okay, now you're back to zero. Good luck. No. Not only did he pay it all, but he gave you a check, a down payment uh, uh, of his own righteousness of the equivalent, if you will, of $33 trillion. A check. Not only do you have it paid for, but you have abundance to cover you. That's grace. But here's the deal. Have any of you received a check for anything? Anybody? One person? Okay. We got to warm you guys up. I'm trying, you know, get some Christian calisthenics going on here. You know what I'm saying? So checks are interesting because, you know, you receive the check, but you actually don't have money, right? Did you know that? What do you have to do in order for that money to actually be yours? You what? You got to bring it to the bank. You got to deposit that check. You got to cash that check. You got to do something with that check, right? You got to receive it. You got to bring it in. That's the same thing, friends. We, we, We need to actively receive God's grace for us. We, he is died for our sin in our place for us, for every single one of you. He's pursued you with his love, but unless we receive it, it ain't happening in our heart and our lives. And some of you have been dancing on the edge. You like this Jesus thing. You've been striving. You're not seeing a change and you're frustrated and struggling because you're still doing the work. You need to stop. He wants you to stop and just receive. Let that love come into your receive and say, Lord, I surrender. I receive that you've done the work for me. I receive you to be my Lord. You paid it all. And I don't deserve it. I receive it, Jesus. And let it sink in how much you don't. And yet it's real. He loves you at infinite expense to his own son. God's grace compelled Jonah, changed him. He was tuned into the Father. He heard his voice and he obeyed to take this message, to arise and go to Nineveh. Friends, one of the things I want to encourage, how are we, how are you going to make, make time in your day to pause, reflect, and receive? Because it changes everything. Instead of just getting up and going and getting after it, and I, my temptation here, even when I get to the church, is I want to start with my emails, I get my to-do list, and like I love productivity. And the Spirit of God keeps saying, get to prayer. You need to receive before you start giving. We need that reset in our hearts and our lives. We're not going to hear God's voice through the day. If we don't start with, I got to plug myself in, I got to dial in, I've got to acknowledge, I need you, Jesus. Speak to me, lead me. Where are you going to do that? I want to encourage you. This isn't some legalistic kind of thing, it's a good practice. When is this going to happen in your day? Where you come to Him? This is two minutes, 30 seconds, if you will, even. Anybody got time for 30 seconds? Anybody? Everybody should raise their hand, right? 
right. Got those Christian calisthenics going on. Mm. I'm caffeinated today, if you can't tell. Here we go. We're going until 2 o'clock. African time. Here we go. When we dial in, when we dial in, when we are receiving from him, Lord, lead me. Lord, what are you doing? This is my day. No, no, no. Oh, forgive me. Not my day. Lord, this is your day. This is your day. Lead me. I don't know what's coming at me. I don't have control. I've got plans. It's okay to plan, but you better hold them loosely. Many of you found, like, you make plans and then they get disrupted during the day, right? Lord, this is your day, not mine. Lead me. We will not be available to hear God leading us. There's people around us who God wants to speak to and reach through you. People are icebergs. There's a lot going on. And you won't be available. You won't be aware. If we have not already opened our heart to the Lord, this is your day and not mine. I got my plans. I got to get my stuff done. I got, I got to get to this next appointment. I got this to do. I got, because one of the biggest reasons why we don't stop, and if the Lord would just say, this person needs prayer, one of, the, one of the big things that comes up is, I don't have time. Do you feel that? That comes up. This person has a need, or maybe there's a meal that needs to be given. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's a visit to be had. Maybe there's a, 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 a pausing to listen to the this story. There's more uh, to the story that a person gave you. They gave you just a brief snippet and, and to let you know something's going on in their world, and you don't want to pause to listen because I don't have time. Right? It's a lie. But we won't know that if we're not surrendered. No, I got to get my stuff done. I've got my schedule. I've got my stuff to do. Who's king? Who's Lord in your heart, in your life? Is it Jesus? Jonah without question, compelled because of grace. It's just, this is a natural thing, not a legalistic thing. It's not out of shame and guilt. Oh, I, gotta go. I better be talking to people. I got my quota, like the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons. I got to talk to like five people and I got to get them to pray. And No, that's not how things work. People aren't projects, amen? Who wants to be a project? Nobody wants to be a project. This is just loving people like Christ has loved you and me. Jonah went. Let's look at Jonah's, what Jonah did here. God tells him, go and tell them the message that I tell you. Jonah arose and went. Nineveh is an exceedingly great city. Three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city going just one day's journey. Cries out, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. It's a quick thing here. As we prepare to to come alongside others, we need to be clear in today's time about the message that God gives us. He says, tell them the message that I have given you. This isn't, friends, we, we can be really active about telling messages that are important to us, about political issues, about uh, social issues, about secondary issues. 
And we can get really passionate about these things. These things end up being very divisive. What people need is Jesus. These secondary issues will become clear when Jesus is clear and in our hearts. Amen? We end up becoming more of a problem when we make the secondary issues, primary issues, when they need to hear Jesus. There's ways that we get off to in this on our own of of where we can be either bring a message of just judgment. This is where we, 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 and most of us in today's Christianity, we we really like uh, bristle and and are uncomfortable with these messages of, 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 of judgment. Repent. God hates your lifestyle of some sort. It's just, it, it comes off as such abusive and controlling it's all just condemnation. But there's another problem on the other side that, that, that the church today has fallen into. And, and that problem is that we've got this kind of message of, of, of good vibes only. I heard somebody rant about this the other day. I'm not sure who that was. <laughs> good vibes only. There's a problem with this kind of sense of, of empty grace. That Jesus, he died, he loves you, he died, and, 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 and he paid for all, and everybody's going to heaven, and, and you don't have to worry about anything. And what, what this means is, is God's love is this free ticket that we don't have to, there's nothing to change inside of us. God just affirms you with his love. We just want positive vibes. Just everybody would just be positive. Rainbows and unicorns don't, like, rainbows exist, but unicorns don't, Right? Let's just be clear about that. Rainbows exist. It's a fantasy world. We live in a broken world. Where it's, where it's a lot of bad vibes. The gospel, Jesus, Christianity, lives in reality. Lives within the broken mess of this world. And knows this world is not our home. There will continue to be problems, sickness, death, injustice, evil in this world now. We are entitled to nothing in this world now. Anything good that we get is because God is intervening. As James says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. When we understand we are entitled and can expect only evil, death, and suffering in this world, everything's a gift, right? Good vibes only is a lie. This is the gospel. You know this. John 3, 16. When we, if we're thinking, what do I say? How do I walk people through talking about Jesus? This is just a real practical thing. Most people know John 3, 16. Easy to memorize. And this encapsulates it all. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16, our, our kids' ministry kids, are, they, they know how to do it. Got to get the reference. This is, this is everything we need to share the truth with other people. God loves you. What does that love mean? His love is costly love. His love is costly love that he sent his son. Because, why did he have to send his son? Because without him, we are all going to perish. That's a reality. Sin, if he is a loving God, he's a just God, there's justice for our sin. None of us are headed to heaven on our own. We're all 
headed to hell, to God's justice on our own. This is not a, this is not a popular message, is it? It's an uncomfortable message. But friends, if we know that what we deserve is, is brokenness in this life and hell in the next, then heaven is pretty good, right? There's no good news without bad news. That's a simple thing of the gospel. We've got to talk about reality. If we're going to talk about how good it is the work of Jesus for us. John 3.16 is just a really simple way, friends. Memorize this verse, and this will help you when it comes down to that moment of people are asking, who is Jesus? How do I respond? What does it mean that God loves me? We need to talk about sin. Preach the message that I tell you, not the message you want. At some point in time, we're going to have to have this kind of conversation with other people. We also need to believe and stand on this truth as well. Otherwise, we will sell people in lies that if they don't have to believe, if they don't have to personally make a decision, God, Jesus died for everybody, then what we've done is just paved the way to hell for them. We give them this false hope. They need to know you've got to deposit that check. You've got to surrender. You've got to receive him in order for that grace to be effective in your heart and your life, both now and for eternity. Let's keep going with Jonah here. So Jonah, he went into the city. It's a, it, it's a, it's a big city. It's, it, the, the word there, exceedingly great city. This isn't talking about the size. This actually means this was a city important to God. In the Hebrew language, it means Nineveh was important to God. Do you know what? You're important to God. You are important to the Father. He wants to bring you the hope of the gospel, the truth, if you've not heard it. And Jonah goes in. This this city was three days journey. And what this likely means is it took Jonah like, it would have taken Jonah like three days to walk in and up and down. Because you can imagine uh, 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 among like 100,000 people or so, Jonah's not going to be able to go into one spot and be able to reach everybody. So he starts in day one, just begins to start and he's walking in and he's yelling out. It's not a very persuasive message. I mean, did you notice this yet? 40 days and Nineveh will be overturned. It's, it's like your judgment's coming. 40 days. It's a very, it's a very simple and, 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 and not very persuasive kind of message. There's nothing eloquent about, there's no illustrations, you know, he goes in and he barely starts on the first day yelling out this message. 40 days or you're going to be judged by God. And what happens is the people of Nineveh, they believe God. They start putting on sackcloth. The, 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 the sackcloth is like this, this, like this, it's like a burlap sack. It's like really uncomfortable, painful kinds of things to wear. Like the, immediately... The word smells like, spreads like wildfire. People are moved in their heart. They get on their knees and they're repenting. They're changing. God, forgive us for our violence. Forgive us for our pride and our prejudice. Forgive us, God. Oh, Jonah did the minimum. What, what, what's going on here? 
what this is to emphasize was this isn't about Jonah. This whole story, as we've talked about Jonah, the book of Jonah, it's all about God. Jonah responded to God's grace. He went and he gave this message that was pretty poor, unpersuasive, to a violent, murderous kinds of people. And all of a sudden, they just start dropping like flies. They believe God and like, change my life, Lord. It's not because of Jonah. It's because God was at work. The dramatic response is all about pointing to God was already at work. Historians point out that in in that time in Assyria, they had experienced a series of famines, plagues, revolts, all kinds of natural disasters, omens, and things like this. There were things that were going on at that time. And this kind of superstitious kind of people of like, what have we done wrong? We need to change. God was already at work. Jonah didn't know that. There was more going on below the surface. Jonah just was to be faithful. God did the work. We oftentimes are hesitant to to share and talk with friends or people around us about faith. We're afraid, right? That's what keeps us from doing it. We're afraid of what they might think. We're afraid of failure saying the wrong thing. We're afraid of losing the friendship. Lifeway uh, Research recently just did a study. And, and in the study, they found out that about three of ten unchurched people have had, a, have had a Christian friend share with them about Jesus. Can you imagine that? Three of ten unchurched people have Christian friends, and only three of ten have, have had, a, had a Christian friend talk with them about Jesus. They said about 50% of unchurched people are open to hearing about Jesus, are open to hearing about faith. More often than not, people are ready. Something's happened in their lives. They want, they're open to talking. Now, being weird, that's, that's different. Just don't be weird, right? That's what we're also afraid of. Like, I'm going to be that weird person, right? I'm going to make things awkward. If we're just responding to grace because of what Jesus has done in our lives, friends, it won't be weird because people can sniff out imposters and those who care, right? You know that. God was already at work in the people of Nineveh. Jonah's responsibility was just to be faithful. God took care of the rest. And that's true in our lives, friends. God takes Jonah's little, makes much of him. You can go to the next slide. This is for us to follow walk away with here today we're told to go god's the one who makes things grow someone around you needs your faithfulness we are to obey and leave the results up to god i'm going to leave you with an acronym because oftentimes when we talk about sharing our faith with other people's it gets uncomfortable. We're like, what do I do? We get sweaty palms, right? You know, and, and we make this, we make it uncomfortable, right? Because we feel like we have to force something. First off, when we're relieved of the results, we don't have to do anything. We just need to love others like Jesus loved us. This acronym BLESS is a really simple way to remember. We want to be a blessing to others, right? You want to be like a curse to others? Who wants to be a curse? Anybody? Okay, good. I'm, this is a test, right? We want to be a blessing to others, right? 
Consider this acronym as a simple way for us to remember and to just guide us. It's something to process as families, as you talk with your kiddos here at home, like how are we going to bless others around us? Be in prayer. Listen with compassion. Eat together. Serve in love. Share a story. Let's break this down just a little bit more here. Bless. Go to the next slide here. Be in prayer. Pray for people who don't yet know Jesus. Pray that God would prepare your life as well as theirs. Ask God, how do you want to grow and use me to bless? How do you want to grow and use me to bless the people in the places where you've sent me? We talked about earlier, at the beginning of our day with prayer. I want to encourage you guys to talk about, and I mentioned this earlier in the sermon series, pray for three. This was something that was encouraged to me in college and campus ministry. It's a simple thing. We're not called to save the world, but God's put people in your life. Who do you know in your world around you? who don't know Jesus, pray for three. Write, like literally, specifically, write these names down. Pray for three. You know, when we're not intentional, when we're not intentional about doing these things, we're not going to do it. We've just cut ourselves off from the Lord. There there requires a certain degree of intentionality if we're going to be obedient. Pray. Listen with compassion. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen for evidence of God's work in, our, in, in people's lives. Ask questions that invite others to tell their stories. Reveal their hearts and help them discover. Oftentimes, we're so afraid in terms of sharing the gospel because we're focused on what I have to say when the burden really is about listening. It starts with listening well to others so they can share and open their hearts. We can hear in their lives. And while we're listening, we're praying. And God will give you the wisdom and the words to say as you learn about that iceberg in their lives. Be in prayer. Listen. Eat together. Share meals, coffee, life with people who do not know, you, know Jesus yet. This is what Jesus did. He ate meals with people. Hospitality is one of the most significant ways that we love others and we bless others. Hospitality is so simple. It could be even over a bowl of ramen noodles and mac and cheese for you college students out there, right? grabbing some coffee or donut. Hospitality, eating together is a simple way that opens our hearts. What this is doing, friends, is you're not assuming like, oh, I've got, to, I've got to share with them. They're going to hell right off the bat. No, first off, that's weird, okay? There may be some rare cases where that might be necessary, but the Spirit of God better be leading you. We're talking about building relationship. Build relationship because you care, because it's genuine. And that involves doing life together. And then serve in love. Be attentive to the opportunities God gives you to care for people and attend to their needs and then share a story. Once you build a relationship and earn trust, look for ways to share a story about Jesus has transformed or is transforming your life. You've got a story to share, every single one of you. If you've not shared your testimony ever, I encourage you one little practice too right now. Go ahead, begin writing out your story. Begin typing it out. Put it on the notes in your phone. What is your story? How is Jesus, how have you encountered him? How how has he saved you? How has he changed you? How are you encountering his grace in your life? Write these things down. Recently, Courtney shared her testimony in overcoming and working through the grief and loss of Kelvin. Decided to share that publicly. 
powerful. I'm going to close with a, with a little testimony here. Someone needs your faithfulness. Rosaria Butterfield has become a very well-known speaker and leader as a follower of Jesus now. But she was a professor at Syracuse University. Not just, uh, not just living the lesbian lifestyle, but an activist. And while she was deep in, 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 into the darkness in her, her life, she had pursued a project of trying to write a paper on how uh, uh, Christians were messed up, were bigots, were part of the social problem. And she began a research project as a professor. And she had posted uh, an article in, in the local newspaper as part of this, received lots of letters to just kind of confirm or deny uh, uh, all of her suspicions. And she received a curious letter from a pastor who didn't condemn, but who did two things. Ask questions. Tell me about how you came to your position and how you came to believe what you believe about Christianity and how you came to believe about what you believe about the world. And, and these things, just ask questions and then offered, we'd love to have you come and eat with us. She crumpled that up and threw it away. She kept all the other hate mail and the fan mail, of course. But she threw that one away. And in the middle of the night, she says, she, you just ate at her. She, she pulled it out of the trash. She, over time, she just couldn't let it go. And so her curiosity piqued her. And so she decided, for the sake of research, I'm going to go. I'm going to see what this this. This, this pastor's like, and, and we're going to see what's, what's going on here. And, and so she, she, she agrees to come over for supper, her and her partner. And it just starts with, with one meal, and then it's another, and it's another. And, and, and he agrees to read her resources, and, 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 then, and, and he offers her some of his resources, but she won't read them, of course. But eventually, over time, they just... Is a friendship. They just developed a friendship and showed her kindness and love and hospitality. And finally, she, she, she broke down to even start to read the Bible herself. It was a so slow process over years. Began to eat away. And, and the belief system that she had, that she was holding on to, about, about Christians and who Jesus is, and, and, and about her own self and her lifestyle and, 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 and her sense of right to be and live however she wants, all these things began to crumble and, and her world was falling apart. And she says this Then one ordinary day, I came to Jesus, open handed and naked. In this war of worldviews, Ken was there, the pastor. Floyd was there, the wife. The church that had been praying for me for years was there. Jesus triumphed, and I was a broken mess. Conversion was a train wreck. I did not want to lose everything that I loved. But the voice of God sang a sanguine love song in the rubble of my soul. I weakly believe that if Jesus could conquer death, he could make right my world. I drank tentatively at first, then passionately of the solace of the Holy Spirit. I rested in private peace 
then community, and today in the shelter of covenant family, where now even one calls me wife and many call me mother. Rosaria was an iceberg, and there was so much more happening. And Ken and, and Floyd, were obedient and left the results up to God. Somebody around you needs your faithfulness. Let's make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit, responding to his grace. Because the love he's shown you, which is so good, amen, is love that someone else needs to hear and experience. Worship team, come on down. Holy Spirit, we ask That as we wrestle in this moment right now and considering, am I even going to let this message, this truth work in my heart? Lord God, or or as the resistance comes up of, 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 I can't do this. I'm not made for this. I I don't have the words to say, I, 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 I'm an, I'm introverted. I, 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 whatever the, 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 the thoughts and messages right now, Jesus, we just ask Holy Spirit that you would remind us. It's not about us. It's about you. You do the work. Lord, let us, let us be reminded of the grace you've, you've shown us and others needed that are headed to hell. Lord, may we be faithful. Every moment, Lord God, and every, every juncture here as we go home, as we consider tomorrow, as we even consider even talking about this more, Lord Jesus, as the enemy's right here to steal your message, Lord God, to get us caught up in our busyness again. And we just, it's just another Sunday. Or to let that seed of fear get in our hearts. Lord Jesus, meet us, Father, and remind us. Keep our eyes fixed on what you have done for us, on your kindness to us. To trust you. We are just to obey and give you the results. Lord, make it clear for us. I pray you would speak to each one of us. Lord, those around us, whether it's neighbors, whether it's family members, maybe a son, maybe a, a father or mother. Maybe a coworker, the, the, the names of those people, Lord God, that you put around us that you are wanting to use us to reach. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's over the course of three years or more. Jesus, would you speak to us and lead us? We surrender now. We don't, we don't want to be, we be caught up in our own selfishness. We want to be yours. Use us like you did Jonah. In your name we pray. Amen.